Welcome to episode 111 of Ready Press Play, recorded on February 24th, 2022. We're your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Today, we'll be talking about Street Fighter VI, some Ubisoft news, Horizon Forbidden West, and more. Stay tuned. What's up, players? This is your host, Dan Lee, man. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Louis Menchaca. How are you doing, Louis? I'm doing good. So, no, no, no you know Dan's today. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, you know Dan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know Dan. I have nothing to share. <laughs> no, actually, I have one. I have one ready. I was going to say, I was, I was hesitating, but I was going to say, you know, Dan, Ready Play Movies isn't dead. Oh, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> do you want to do you want to give us any more than that or no yeah you know honestly because of the whole uh recording situation it's probably probably best to announce it sooner rather than later but um we're uh you know troy and i are gonna go watch the batman next week on on our regular recording time so we're gonna have to record next week's episode a little early but that's fine um we're uh we're gonna do we're gonna watch the batman and we're talking about the possibility of doing a, a spoiler cast nice so we are, it hasn't been officially solidified yet. We don't have a recording time. We just know that we're watching the movie together. That's all we know so far. Um, so what's going to end up happening is if we can pull it off, you guys will get a new episode of Ready Play Movies as a one-off special, like, you know, a spoiler cast <laughs> edition. So Good stuff. Yeah. And you know what? Talking about movies and, and seeing movies, last week we, uh, we mentioned the Uncharted movie coming out on theaters. And I said I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to uh, find the time to see it and stuff, but I did. I did watch it, and here's the thing. I am not going to tell you what I thought about it yet. Uh, uh. And that's because uh, Louis and I, uh, and, and I'm going to kind of use this as, a, as an announcement here too, uh, we've decided we're going to start to sprinkle in some episodes uh, on our timeline here that are going to feel a little different. Uh, they're still going to follow most of the regular format of the show, but we're going to replace the news segment with just kind of more in-depth uh, topics that we talk about. Uh, we already do that sometimes, but they're just going to be these, there's going to be some episodes that we're going to record a little bit more freely um, and that can kind of work more as like evergreen episodes perhaps and stuff like, you know, the DLCs as we call them before, but we're going to start dropping some some of those as, uh, as, as regular episodes in our cadence um over the next few um probably for the rest of the year actually uh and we're actually going to start that with the next episode 112 uh and one of the topics that we're going to discuss there is uh do a check-in on video game movies and tv shows and whatnot there's so many that are announced there's new stories coming out almost every week now about that stuff and we can also do a deep dive in our thoughts on uh uncharted what do you think Yes, uh, it's perfect. You know, things are popping off in video game adaptations front. You know, I need a maybe it gives me time to watch Arcane or something like that. You know, things like that. So. That's right. That's right. Uh, but, you know, we meet every Friday morning to discuss the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms while we're playing big topics of the industry and the games we love. And today is a regular show. So we're going to get started with our topics of discussion. And Louis, I have a feeling you're going to be very excited about this first topic here. Uh, we mentioned <laughs> last week that Capcom was doing this countdown, you know, on their website and stuff. Or maybe started speculating what it was. Uh, and it turned out that it was the announcement of a new Street Fighter game, Street Fighter VI. 
Um, I can't remember from last week. Is this what you were expecting from it at that point, Louis? Uh, so we did. We knew about the countdown timer, and you know, I was I was thinking like Resident Evil Four remake. You know, we were yes, speculating yes, on that yes, as well, yes. even during the the news stories. Uh, I knew Street Fighter Six was eventually coming. By the way, like there's no way that they weren't gonna not make a Street Fighter Six, especially with Street Fighter Five having officially ended its uh, DLC run and stuff like that. So, uh, no more new content for Street Fighter Five. Therefore, we're on to the next thing. Now, it's a little bit. I, I'm a little. I'm a little concerned. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, are they gonna are they gonna have a fully fledged like you know Street Fighter. Uh, four launch, or are they gonna have a like a, a dismal Street Fighter Five launch with lacking content and stuff like that? Like, I just hope that whatever they do, they don't just put out a beta mm. uh, and call it a, a, a 1.0. So you know the the, yeah. the funny thing is that I I looked at the countdown even after we did the show, and I was talking to one of my friends about it who is a big Resident Evil fan, and despite the fact that there were a lot of things pointing to it possibly being Street Fighter as well. I felt like the design of the site and the design of the, the, the font, like the font for the countdown itself, everything just felt so much more Resident Evil than it did Street Fighter. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it was all very dark and like, and I don't know, it had that kind of RE aesthetic more so than, you know, the, the, the big punchy, exciting, you know, colors that you expect to see from, from Street Fighter. Um, but it turned out to be Street Fighter anyway, and I should probably go ahead and uh, go through this article here that we got by uh, Ambi- A- Andy Robinson from VGC. Uh, Capcom has officially announced Street Fighter VI following the conclusion of a week-long teaser campaign held to coincide with its official esports tournament. Get ready, fighters. The future of fighting games is on the way, Capcom said. Today, at the Capcom Pro Tour 2021 season final, we shared a glimpse of what's on the horizon, Street Fighter VI. We know you're hungry for more details and we're just as eager to share them, but we're going to have to keep you guessing just a little longer. Look out for more Street Fighter VI news coming summer 2022. In its announcement, the publisher said it's developing the fighting sequel with the aim of elevating the fighter, the fighting game genre to a new level in the world of esports while also utilizing cutting edge development technology to produce an enthralling game experience. There's currently no indication of which platforms the game will release on. You can watch the first Street Fighter VI trailer below. Uh, and you could probably speak a little bit more to the trailer than I can, Louis. We get to see Ryu. He looks really buff. Uh, yeah. There's an. I, I say that his. I would say that his character almost seems like he got redesigned a little bit. Uh, kind of. And then also this other character that he fights against. Uh, can you can you tell me who that is? So I have no idea who that is because he is the final DLC character for Street Fighter V. That I do know. Mm, interesting. But I don't know his name because I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I stopped after season two. Of Street Fighter V. So he's just a brand new character that was just created. Um, that being said, um, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to Google this while, while I'm talking. But uh, basically, uh, uh, his redesign isn't so much a redesign. He has a he has an alt skin in Street Fighter V that kind of looks like that with the I beard. I see. I see. And and what happens is is uh, the internet has been clamoring for that to be the 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 normal like the uh, the default mm-hmm. no- skin. Like the vanilla skin, basically, and so now I guess for Street Fighter Six, they're making that the the default, uh, which is uh, you know people were wanting that. So uh, there's there's been memed to death already. And so. obviously, uh, in this trailer, which is not a trailer really, just a little tease. Other than the designs of these two characters, we get to see the new logo for the game, uh, which spiraled into a lot of you know content and then controversy and stuff uh you know i I, at first i saw all all sorts of takes on 
whether they liked or disliked the design of the logo, it feels very different than traditional Street Fighter logos. Uh, it has a little, like, it's like, it almost looks like this app icon, and then it has a little six on the corner uh, in a bubble. So people were making fun of, like, hey, Street Fighter got six unread notifications or something. Uh, <laughs> it looks like a Discord, uh, it looks like a Discord uh, badge. I know, right? So I very uh, much, and go ahead. Uh, yeah, his name is Luke, by the way. I found okay. Uh, but anyways, uh, the thing about the the thing that really like a little, it's a little breaking of tradition because every Street Fighter game had a Roman numeral from like mm, you know, you're right. one through five. Uh, Street Fighter Two, you know the two the two eyes and everything. So that being said, like the fact that they went with an actual numeric six is a little weird. I don't know if I'm digging this. Uh, I don't know. Like it looks like something I would download off the App Store. And- and I don't know if I like that for a video game. And, you know, the funny thing is that, and I'm already going to bring in the next story here from IGN, uh, this controversial logo could very well be a modified stock image, or at least that's what's being speculated. Oh, <laughs> because that's no bueno. people quickly found a stock image for sale online that looked very much like this logo. Um let me uh, read it over here. The controversial logo for Street Fighter Six bears similarities to an Adobe stock image. The creator of the stock image has told IGN they now want to sell the exclusive rights for it to Capcom. As first pointed out by Ars Technica's Auric Lawson, the Street Fighter Six logo bears striking similarity to a logo design available through a, the Adobe stock image store, available with an extended license for $80 and created by a user called Xcoolie. The design is available as an Adobe Illustrator file, meaning alterations could presumably have been easily made to the original file. And the Adobe stock licenses do allow for modification and commercial use. The design appears to have been used publicly before um, as, uh, with a different modified version seemingly used as a logo for the SF Connection sci-fi convention in France. Speaking to IGN, Xcool confirmed that they had created the Adobe stock image and revealed that they were looking to sell exclusive rights for the image to Capcom, removing it from sale to other parties. We've contacted Capcom for comment on the similarities in the designs and Xcoolies offer off sale. Uh, even if this turns out to be a genuine coincidence, the new logo design hasn't garnered much praise as it is. Street Fighter VI was announced <laughs> on February 21st, and its logo review immediately caused controversy among fans, many of whom see the seeming change from the Street Fighter series' vibrant text logos to a grittier monochrome style as disappointing. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, <laughs> I thought this was pretty funny. Granted, there's honestly, this is not necessarily a big deal, really. Like, if... If it is a stock image and they just bought it and then modified it, given that it the license does allow for commercial use, it's one of those things where there's nothing wrong with it in any kind of legal ramifications, <laughs> but it just comes off as a little lazy, perhaps, for, you know, a company that is so big and has such a reputation as Capcom. Um, I also, though, would consider the possibility that because this design is not even that special or that unique to begin with, like, is there a chance out there that two individual people could come up with, like, this these similar designs by coincidence? Or even that the designer who did do the logo maybe had seen this image at some point in their in their life and it was kind of brooding in their subconscious, but they didn't... You know, when you, like, you <laughs> sort of have this thing pop into your head and you're not sure if it's something your mind made up or if it actually exists and you saw it somewhere. Um, I don't know. Um, regardless, I do have to say that I also find the logo just meh at best. So, um, why do you think? Yeah, that Discord community is going to, you know, work, go to town with this one. Just like, <laughs> bam. What? <laughs> Street Fighters. What do you think they're going to do? Do you think there's any chance they redesign this logo, especially based on this sort of backlash slash controversy? 
I expect them to. Like, there's uh, companies tend to like listen to like the internet a lot, so I would expect them not to like go ham on, especially like at release. Like, you know, I don't think they're gonna put on the box art this logo. It's gotta be like that that Street Fighter font, you know, with the swooshes and like you know the shadows and you know it's gotta it's gotta be classy you for know? sure. So I don't I don't think this. Uh, this is too flat, in my opinion. I'm going to share so. a take that is not originally mine, but that I agree with. This was shared on uh, IGN's podcast, Unlocked, and I think it was Miranda Sanchez who said that she thought this logo looked very much like an eSports logo. Uh, and I wonder... <laughs> like, I can see it on a jersey. Yeah. I can see it on a jersey. And I wonder if we could see yeah. a situation where this becomes, like, maybe they adapt this and it becomes the logo for the Street Fighter, you know, tournament series. Um, but... More so than the actual game, and they actually use a more traditional logo for the game. But we shall see. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, um, I just remember. Uh, damn, there was like a, a whole lot of memes that uh, that happened like immediately whenever this yes. uh, this uh, thing got announced. And like one of the things that about the the situation is that the the, the countdown wasn't even accurate. First off, because <laughs> it was part of the it was at the end of the Capcom Pro Tour. Uh, so they can't control when the finals end, right, by the right, way. Right. So what they do is instead of counting down to zero, it just stops counting at, at one hour to go. And it just stays there without an, any minutes to, or, or seconds in there to like tell you when it's going to happen. So, And apparently when they uh, switched over on the website to like, to go to the announcement to the to the Capcom Pro Tour, um, uh, the announcers were were muted. So like they were talking and like they were like all reacting, but like no audio was coming from the casters. And so apparently that could be like memed or dubbed over or whatever. So that's what happens. I just thought that was funny. That's what happens when you do things live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on to our next story here, Square Enix says Guardians of the Galaxy undershot expectations the publisher is disappointed by the game's slow start reported by chris colian for vgc um in a newly published presentation slides following its results briefing held earlier this month the company's president yosuke matsuda stated that the game hasn't sold as well as he hoped even though it had reviewed well despite strong reviews the game sales on launch undershot our initial expectations matsuda said however sales initiatives that we kicked off in november 2021 and continued into the new year have resulted in sales growth and we intend to work to continue to expand sales to make up for the title's slow start this is the second time square enix has expressed unhappiness at the initial sales of a marvel licensed game in november 2021 matsuda said square enix needed to learn from the disappointing performance of marvel's avengers claiming that developer Crystal Dynamics was a bad fit given its lack of experience with the game as a service model. Guardians of the Galaxy is a single-player story-driven third-person action-adventure game which was developed by Eidos Montreal and was released on October 26, 2021 for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series, and PC. Alright, so the reason why I wanted to cover this story uh, is because, as you know, I've been playing this game and I love this game and this game was generally considered one of the great games of the year because of when it came out and the fact that it was a little bit under the radar. I feel like it was underrepresented in things like game of the year, despite the fact that it still got, you know, certain nominations and awards. You know, if you look across the board and different uh, award shows and etc. cetera, uh, but still I would have expected this game to have probably met sales expectations, at least to kind of like break even, not in terms of uh, budget, but in terms of, you know, expectations. Uh, maybe not, you know, significantly surpass them, but meet them. And I think that this is an interesting, like, an, an interesting lens to look at this is that 
this is not just the second time that we're that we have a, a headline that says Square Enix is specifically is disappointed at a at a one of their AAA games performance because they also said that about the Tomb Raider trilogy from Crystal Dynamics. A lot of those games, I remember them talking about how they did well and they revealed well, but you know we spent so much money we actually need, we needed them to do more. Um, so what do you think is going on here, Lewis? Do you think do you think there's a trend here to analyze and to talk about? I think it seems like they uh, Square Enix is only going to be happy unless they put up like Rockstar GTA Five numbers <laughs> because it's like no matter how successful a game is, like oh it underperformed and like I know. I, I know. Granted, I can sort of believe him with the Marvel's Avengers, but like it feels like uh, once you once you start saying stuff like the Tomb Raider reboot underperformed, I think your credibility or your your metrics for success might be skewed or might be a little over overzealous maybe let's just say so i am gonna i don't know like unless somebody unless like their financials get like really like released and they get into the weeds of like how much money they actually made then i i'm a little i'm gonna sort of just say that i'm gonna raise an eyebrow on this one and say that maybe maybe it was profitable but they just didn't they didn't uh you know make all the money as that as as the phrase is yeah. Now, um, we've had, I think it was Sean Layden, um, who used to direct PlayStation and um, has talked about how, like, you know, games keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and for each new big AAA game that, that we make, they get progressively more expensive and therefore it's harder and harder for them to meet these profitable expectations. Are we seeing a situation where, uh, you know, Square Enix maybe kind of reached their, their limit with you know, how much they're able to make these games sell and they just really need to learn to better manage their budget um, or even to better market their game because I feel like they had some failures in marketing here with uh, with Avengers, oh, sorry, with, uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I also think release windows are very important for this stuff. Uh, I remember with Rise of the Tomb Raider specifically, they had a situation where it was an Xbox exclusive at first. Uh, specifically for the Xbox One that wasn't selling very well at the time. Um, and then later with Shadow of the Tomb Raider, that was one of those games that I felt like completely flew under the radar again that I played and I was like, this is a fitting conclusion to the trilogy. Uh, it may not be the best one, but it's on pair with the other two. And yet I felt like nobody talked about that game. Um, <laughs> so I feel like should like Square Enix kind of look at this and maybe try to uh, do a little better when it comes to managing their budget, organizing their portfolio, figuring out release windows, investing in the right types of marketing and stuff like that. Are they kind of falling behind or something, specifically with these Western uh, developed games? Hmm. Okay, so let me think here. I don't know. Like, I'm I'm a little puzzled on that question because, like, when, when I think of, like, Square Enix... Like the first thing that comes to mind, like when it comes to this question, was whenever they like they backed out of IO Interactive and stuff like right. that. Right. It's like I, I don't know how to how to how to like uh, pair the two, but like it's like when it comes to the Square Enix situation, they are I don't know. Yeah, God, I, I think I think you're onto something there. Like they backed out of IO Interactive, and then IO Interactive goes on to make Hitman Three, and it's you know a huge success Suc- for them, and they like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and they like it. Yeah, exactly. They they like the numbers. I don't know. Like it just seems like for like I guess there's I guess their rule their measuring tape for success is just skewed. Right. Obviously, like if for like for instance, I guess if if I Interactive is like happy with the success that uh, the money that Hitman's generating, but under Square Enix's umbrella, it's not. Then maybe that's saying something. So right. Yeah. Good point. 
Uh, now, Lewis, I thought you'd get a kick out of this one, so I decided to bring it in here. Uh, reported by Ryan Dinsdale for IGN. Hundreds of rare sealed Nintendo and Sega games discovered in Nebraska storage facility. A video game reseller has discovered hundreds of factory-sealed Nintendo and Sega games from the 80s and 90s inside a storage facility in Nebraska. Hordes of SNES, Sega CD, Genesis, Saturn, and 3DO games were put in storage after a local store closed down in 1994, year of my birth, and have remained untouched until now. A Nebraska-based reseller called Game Room found the collection and staff joked in a video that there are as many copies of the last valuable NBA and Madden games as there are interesting finds, but the several boxes of incredibly rare games more than make up for it. The video ends with Game Room showing off some of the collection's rare sealed games, including Chrono Trigger on the SNES, valued at over $2,400 according to Price Charting, a website that tracks the value of classic games. Also on SNES was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time, which is worth over $1,000. Final Fantasy 3, worth over $1,000 as well. And Sunset Riders, worth over $750. The value of these finds makes the lesser titles, such as several copies of Aladdin on SNES, Contra Hard Corps on Genesis, and Musia on SNES, seem less exciting, despite them being worth hundreds of dollars each. <laughs> Game Room said they won't be releasing any details on the overall value of the collection until it's all preserved and documented, but it's likely worth tens of thousands of dollars. It's worth noting that if they get the games officially grades, officially graded, I think they meant, the value of most of them could double, triple, or quadruple in price. Yep. Yeah. So what do you think of this, Liz? Who? Okay. Um, so yes, I did see the story come up in my feeds, and I did see the video of them showing it off. And damn, it looks pretty nicer. They're very well kept. I can tell, like they were in one of those storage, uh, those storage facilities with the, uh, um, with the air conditioning. So it was, you know, very. It's not like gonna be all hot and you know, right. crazy and stuff. So, so that's good. Um, so I'm glad. I'm glad that's well preserved, and I'm gonna be interested to see how this turns out because, like, one of the things that makes these games that worth a thousand dollars, especially because they're sealed and new and stuff, like new and boxed, the thing that makes them are um, so expensive is the rarity. Because it's not the fact that Aladdin it's or, or is is rare. It's that Aladdin is complete in box and is is what makes it rare. It's right. The, it's the packaging because Super Nintendo games they they you know. They, uh, Most people just throw away the packaging, I'd assume. Yeah, yeah. They, they throw away the packaging, the boxes, the manuals, all of it. So uh, carts are loose and stuff like that. So that's where the value's at. So I would like to see if uh, if this makes a dent in any kind of way, because if there's multiple copies of Turtles in Time, you know, just suddenly hitting the market, you know, suddenly supply goes up. Right. You know, so I would like to see if that if that if that happens, or they just or it doesn't make it a dent at all. So. Uh, it just depends on how many copies of each game they have. So yeah. yeah, I pulled up the video right now, and I'm kind of scrubbing through it because I hadn't seen it yet. Oh, these are in very nice state. Uh, it's cool to see. Now, how I'm trying to understand, like, do you know any more details about how did these games end up, where they ended up, like what? Yeah, like I don't know how this how the ownership happened because the thing is, when a store closes and it's defunct, then they just put their inventory away. Like, who owns the store? Who's been paying the rent every month to store them? Right, exactly. And like, and how did it come across this person's? Like, I'm assuming this uh, the game room's YouTube channel. Like, I'm assuming that they're the owners of the of the storage locker. Like, usually the way it works, and this is because of uh, the A and E show. Uh, storage wars is whenever the person that's paying the rent on the storage locker uh stops paying the rent then the person like auctions off the the storage locker like all the contents inside and so i was wondering if that's like a situation where somebody got it in a storage wars kind of thing 
So that'd be interesting. Yeah, seems very odd. I, I'll be curious. They're actually kind of teasing that uh, more updates will be coming soon on their YouTube channel. Uh, so I just kind of subscribed and turned all the notifications over here because I'm curious to see, like, are they going to be putting up the stuff for sale? Like, why did... <laughs> What are they going to be doing with all this, uh, all this stuff, and um, if they're going to share any more details of of how this the the ownership got uh, transferred? Like, like I'm said. looking at I'm looking at this box, and this box has like at least I could just spotted I spotted like four copies of Aladdin in complete and box sealed. So like you know, give me one. That, at least four, <laughs> <laughs> at least four of them. If not more, because they got multiple. You know, if they got four, so I'm thinking to myself, if they got four, they can give us one, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Especially to D, to you, Dan. I know you're a fan of the Super Nintendo I know, version. I know. I'm I'm one of the few people. I'm actually surprised. I didn't even know that game was rare. I just always... Which I don't think it is. Like you said, it's probably just the fact that it's sealed uh, in the box. And everything. That the box and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's what makes it rare is the is the packaging. So. All right. Uh, on to our next story here. This one is a little bit old. Uh, but from what I can remember, we didn't really cover it. So I didn't want to mention it. Because we were speculating about more companies being bought or sold, and, and I speculated about Ubisoft earlier in the year. Uh, and there was a story related to this. As reported by Andy Robinson, again for VGC, Ubisoft says it can stay independent but would review any buyout offers. CEO Yves Guillemont responds to speculation the Assassin's Creed publisher could be sold. Uh, Ubisoft has told investors it believes it can remain independent amid the recent trend of consolidation in the games industry. M&A activity in the games industry, that means mergers and acquisitions, hit a record $85 billion in 2021 and has been forecast to reach $150 billion this year. With huge deals such as Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard and Take-Two's buyout of Singa having already been announced in 2022's opening months. Asked in an earning calls on Thursday, this is now like two weeks ago, uh, if Ubisoft believed it would be able to guarantee access to the various gaming platforms it releases its games on in the future, should it resist any of the consolidation happening in the industry, CEO Yves Guillemont said he believed it would. And then here's the exact quote. Uh, we will continue to have access to all of those platforms because all the platforms need great content. If we are continuing to do great content like we do today, we'll be able to access all of those platforms. If we look at Nintendo, we are the number one third-party publisher on it. Nintendo is interested in everything we do, and we are even developing games with their brands, so the collaboration exists and is very fruitful. The exact set he believed Ubisoft could remain independent, but that any offers to, the, to buy the company would be reviewed in the interest of its stakeholders. And here's continuing now with the quote. We have always taken decisions in the interest of our stakeholders, which are our employees, players, and shareholders. Ubisoft can remain independent. We have the talent, the financial scale, and a large portfolio of original IPs. Having said that, if there were an offer to buy us, the board of directors would, of course, review it in the interest of all stakeholders. Uh, CEO Frederick, or CFO Frederick Duguet, added later in the call, we will not speculate on why people haven't made any offer or if any offer was made. What we can say is we have high value assets, we have the scale to remain independent and create very meaningful value in the future because we have scale in terms of our workforce, engineering, technology, IPs, and engaged communities. That's why we're able to serve so many platforms today with such high quality content. Of course, we won't speculate anymore on any potential interest in buying Ubisoft. Um, so that's that's the gist of it. The truth is there isn't a lot of meat here, uh, but there is a little bit that we can kind of play with. Um, I like how in this call that like the uh, Eve's game was like, or any offers, if any offer was made, like as he added like to his thing is like yeah. sort of like 
covering his ass, like, because there probably was or something like that. But I, it feels like maybe there might be something there, especially because they're being coy with it. But at the same time, they are speaking in, like, corporate speak where they are not lying to you, but they're also... Yes. Uh, it's it's always tends to be a situation as of what did they not say. Yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. Um, they're not really giving you anything in there. It's more of like, okay, well, they were not... They did talk a lot about how they can remain independent and would be happy to do so, but they did, they did not explicitly speak against being acquired either. You know what I mean? Like they they were not yeah. vehemently like, "No, you know, we're going to we're we're Ubisoft, we're independent, nobody's going to buy us." They seem to be like open to the idea. I feel like they I really what I got from this is like they're for sale, but you know, the price might be pretty high, right? <laughs> like they're they're not just yeah. gonna you know they're they're take the first take offer. the first offer exactly yeah like this uh this is definitely the new the new uh console wars like back in the day it used to be about like you know nintendo versus sega kind of stuff and now it's more like content wars like yes. let's get the exclusives like we got you know when netflix has stranger things and you know uh microsoft has bethesda and you know sony's got uh sucker punch and uh and naughty dog you know it's like it's always about like you know who's got what and yeah. like basically making sure that you're enticed and meanwhile ubisoft is playing the field it's like we got all these ips like assassin's creed and stuff <laughs> like that we can put it on everywhere it's like you it's like damn it's it's like what a world we're living in you know i mean i'm guessing it's always been the case but now it's like now it's so centralized on on brands. Yeah. You know? Which talking about Assassin's Creed, I'm just going to bring up this headline here. Basically, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla has now earned more than one billion dollars in revenue, Jesus. making it the first game in the flagship franchise to do so. So, you know, at, at some points before, even when I was speculating about this earlier uh, last month. I may have talked about how, you know, all Ubisoft doesn't seem to be doing as well as they did a while ago. Uh, and I was kind of looking at it from the perspective of like, you know, they've had a few misses recently. Um, they've had a lot of delays. Um, they had some games that don't seem to be received as positively by the fans of their respective franchises. You know, we got things like Watch Dogs Legion. They just kind of didn't seem really seem to hit and immortals phoenix rising which you know people like but also didn't seem to hit that hard um or the 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 quarantine goddamn yes 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 they renamed Uh, it i forgot what it's called now but yeah i know the the new rainbow six game yeah extraction there we go yeah um so that's why i've kind of got that impression but meanwhile you know they have transitioned into this a service model where rather than releasing an Assassin's Creed game every year, they've been taking some years off here and there and then supporting and adding more content to the existing games, right? They did that with the... I think they did that with Odyssey for a while and then now with Valhalla, they've been adding all sorts of content over the last year, you know, a little bit more than a year that the game's been available in the market. Uh, and I think that, you know, they're getting the results out of it, right? They're Where they're finally... And I feel like that the fact that there was no new Assassin's Creed last year that also kind of contributes to this game selling more, right? So um, before you would have had, you know, X million copies be sold of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and then X million copies be sold again of Assassin's Creed Revelations in the next year versus now you got Valhalla, which stays in the market for two plus years. And then, you know, the, the maybe the, the same players that were playing 
day one are, are playing as new content comes out and the new players are also jumping in over the course of that time frame. Yeah, I'm, I must sort of say my nephew contributed to this because he bought a lot of expansions for uh, <laughs> Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah. Just just good guy. I played the base game for like 10 or so hours, but then I, as as with almost every game that I played, I ended up getting distracted, falling out of it, or etc. <laughs> right? Um but it was good. I was I was pleased with it, and I, I you know if I if I didn't play a million other games, I could I could see a situation where I would have stuck with it longer and checked out more of the more of the DLC. I kind of I kind of would like to see uh, uh, more companies go with the Nintendo model of things of just letting games just breathe. Right, uh, right. I agree. Um, and it's obviously to Ubisoft's success here with uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but like I, I kind of, I kind of, you would never see an Assassin's Creed making one billion dollars in revenue if they were on to the next one. You know that in twelve months. I know. Um, so yeah, I just kind of like I kind of would like to see how that works out. You know, you know if- I'll give you two things here, which is like on one end, I think it's cool when we get a t- some time away from a franchise and we miss it, and then you know a new one comes out and feels more special and it feels like there's more. A new things to it and like it's it's re- reinvigorating the franchise in a way uh but i also think it's cool to get those little interstitial like maybe like smaller games in between too like what sony has actually been doing now with miles morales and and uncharted the lost legacy and stuff like that i know you don't care as much for those but um mm. i wonder if we can have a situation where it's like we have more franchises give us mainline entries every like four years or five years, but then kind of put some of those like little spinoffs in between. Um, Your Far Cry primals of the world. <laughs> yeah, or whatever, right? Um, uh, I'm definitely tired of yearly releases though. Um, and we got an... Yeah, I mean... Go ahead. With uh, Nintendo putting out uh, DLC for a game that's five years old or mm-hmm. or seven if you count the Wii U, you know what I mean? Like I know. It's... Uh, it's, in, it's just, I don't know, just saying, like, you can see how that works out for more companies. That's also the same Nintendo that released, like, four new Super Mario Brothers games within, like, you know, a handful <laughs> of years or whatever. Uh, hey, sh- 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 <laughs> we don't talk about that. No, they, I, they, they've they definitely changed a little bit, um, for sure. Uh, now, uh, for the next story here, uh, this was reported by Push Square. In the UK, 70% of boxed Horizon Forbidden West buyers paid more than they needed to. Uh, this is from Sammy Barker, uh, and this, dear readers, is why companies are so cunningly ambiguous. Early physical sales data for Horizon Forbidden West has arrived in the UK, and with it comes confirmation that almost a third of box sales were on the PS4. That means roughly 70% uh, paid the extra 10 uh, pounds or euros or whatever to own the PS5 version of the game, despite it offering a free upgrade on Sony's previous platform for the lower price of $59.99. So... I'm going to come out and say this. I would totally buy... If I'm going to buy the game, I want to buy the $70 boxed version of it because I don't want to own a, a PS4, like, you know, that... that uh, What do you call it? Like, I want it to look like uh, on the bookshelf. Right, you want to have the PS5 blend in. Books, sorry, right. The PS5 one. Now, yeah. here's, the funny, yeah. here's the funny thing about this, though. It's like, this really just kind of validates, like why they were so shitty about the way they handled the situation you know what i mean because um the truth is the original plan for this game was to have it released for 60 dollars on the ps4 70 dollars on the ps5 and then have you pay for a 10 dollar upgrade right but there was they were still figuring stuff out and being inconsistent with their messaging and whatnot uh they got some hate about it and then jim ryan you know put on the spot was just like okay all right you guys can have a free upgrade shut the fuck up right 
Uh, <laughs> and because he said that, they had to go through and do it, but then they still maintain the physical copies priced and even the digital copies for the different versions priced yes. differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just creates this very weird market scenario where it's like, where you could, like, literally you have the choice to buy the game for $60 or $70. Uh, and I think that a lot of people will buy the $70 version because they don't know any better. You know what I mean? Because they don't yeah. know that they can get that free upgrade. Uh, and I think Sony knows this and I think they did it on purpose. And that's why I find kind of shitty about this. It's like, you know, they're making an X million, like an X amount of extra million dollars uh, from uninformed <laughs> customers that don't know that they can buy the game for $60 and are instead spending the extra 10 bucks. Yeah, well, I'm informed and I'll still pay the extra $10. Like, I w- I'm going to put it to you this way. I will not, if I'm going to buy the game digitally, which I don't know if I'm going to go digital physical with this game, by the way. I still haven't decided. But if I'm going to go digital, I'm going to buy the PS4 version, right. obviously. But if I'm going to go physical, I want it to be that white splash tart, you know, like. Right. Because, like, the, you want to put it next box design. You want to put it next to your yeah. PS5 collection in the shelf collection. and not in your PS4. Yes. I get that. I get that. But it is kind of funny that yeah. you're going to. Spend an extra $10 for literally just a different paper insert into your, <laughs> you know, case. I've done that with, uh, I've done that with retro games where like I would buy like the, uh, the Nintendo, like, what is it? Selects version mm. of a game. And I would re I would like swap it out with like, uh, the non Nintendo select version. So I've done that before where I paid extra to like, not have like the, the <laughs> shittier print, you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. So. Um, and then, uh, the other thing to mention here for Horizon Forbidden West is that it's getting review bombed, um, on PS5, PS4 for no reason. Uh, it has been quietly racking up disproportionately negative reviews of Metacritic overnight as the, at the time of this posting, which was a few days ago. Uh, and while it's still holding a steady overall user score, the string of zero out of tens are obviously beginning to look disingenuous. Many of you may recall The Last of Us Part Two, yada, 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 that was a little different. Uh, but yeah, this game... For some reason, like, it has uh, this great critic score, like 80, I think it's like an 88 now. Uh, but the user score on Metacritic is sitting at an 8.1, which is fine. But there is a thousand, uh, right now there's a thousand out of a total of like, what, like 6,000 reviews that are on the negative side. Uh, a lot of people just giving this like zeros and twos and ones and stuff like that. Um, and well, number one, I don't know why this is happening. Number two... This is just like an interesting phenomenon that's been happening with games recently where it seems like people do this. Uh, and I don't know why yeah. it is specific. It is especially hurtful to indie games, by the way, or like the smaller, like medium sized uh, games that really rely on, you know, getting good scores and, and stuff to get visibility and to have people actually uh, buy their games, especially on like Steam. I know this is a real serious problem on Steam. Um, where people will go and review Bomba game and then it makes so that it makes it so that that game does not show up on the store anymore or like gets pushed down, you know, versus other games in there and whatnot and really affects uh, sales for some of these smaller developers. Um, so yeah, just shitty all around. Don't do this. And I hope platforms can figure out a way to have this not happen. Steam has been trying to solve that for a really long time, you know, suppressing things and all that stuff. But, like, I'm just genuinely, like, curious as to why people would want to review bomb the game. Like, what controversy is causing people to just, you know, die on this hill? Like, I don't even know if there's a controversy about this game. Other than, Me neither. Like, this uh, this particular screenshot's talking about how, like, it's it's uh, usual Sony fare. It's, it's just kind of tame and sterile. And I'm like, well... Let me ask I you mean, this. Could it be Xbox fanboys that are... Uh review bombing this 
I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I can just see just as easily how, like, a diehard PlayStation fan would review Bombit 2. So, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, we don't know what's causing it, but, you know, if you play the game and you like it, go ahead and give it a nice user review out there to help combat that. Uh, and I hope the platforms figure out a way to uh, better handle that stuff in the future. Uh, finally, I got to check it out here, uh, which is also a, uh, a new story in a way, uh, which is that we finally got a new look at the PlayStation VR 2. Uh, Louis, the reason why I kind of put this at the end as opposed to at the top is because I personally don't know if I have much to say about it other than it looks cool. <laughs> but uh, maybe you have further thoughts. I know you're more of a PSVR guy. Well, it looks very more futuristic-y kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I can tell that from like the this headset, there's much less volume going on with uh, the the new headset. Like it's kind of like it's kind of like a slim model looking kind of thing going to it. I feel like the controllers means- look pretty interesting too. Like I, it almost feels like they're going for a slimmer uh, design with the controllers as well. Um, I wonder, I wonder how comfortable that actually is. Like I, I can't quite tell just by the photo whether it would sit ergonomically comfortable in your hand compared to the previous controllers you know what I, well yeah, it, well the previous sorry. controllers were basically ps3 yeah. motion controllers I, in so my you know. head i'm comparing it to the oculus <laughs> controllers and not yeah. uh i forgot that psvr uses the freaking playstation move technology from like 2009 yeah. or whatever um mm-hmm. yeah so i'm just glad they're moving away from that into actually uh, modern vr controls and i feel like i've seen like a, a controller like this circular design with the controller i feel like i've seen it on one of the platforms i don't know if it was like htc or something like that but like i've seen a look this look before mm-hmm. uh but that being said like i read the actual story the news story and it actually uh it actually has vents in it like and I'm like, what? They have vents in this thing. So basically, in the old PSVR, uh, the lenses would fog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know that, but like it would fog because like there's no there's no airflow. And so now they're basically designing airflow into this thing so to prevent that fog situation from happening. Um, I'm not a fan, of course, that there's a wire there. You know, I would rather like wireless, but yeah. at least they cut it down from two wires to one wire. So there's that. All right. And we still don't have a release date for it, as far as I can tell. Um, my, my prediction is next year is going to get delayed. I need to be right. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. All right. Let's hit up the extra news. Number one. This is a juicy one. According to Jason Schreier, Activision will delay next year's planned Call of Duty release, making 2023 the first year the franchise will not have a mainline release in nearly two decades. Um, Damn. I'm keeping this over here because it's it's just a report for now. It's it's also a paywall and stuff. I feel like we're gonna hear more about this uh, later in the year as it gets you know confirmed or whatever. But uh, going back to you know letting franchises breathe, I think this would be great for Call of Duty. You know, give it a year off. Probably not great for Activision as in not getting that cash, but for the franchise, I can definitely tell that you know people are feeling some COD fatigue right now. Yeah, but why not 2022 Call of Duty be the first one to get delayed? Like, why are you, uh, why is this being speculated like over a year out? You it's know? probably like, because. Surely you can make the date. Well, it's probably because this year's Call of Duty is already like, you know, semi done, I would assume. Like, not, uh-huh. well, don't get me wrong. These, those teams crunch a lot. So <laughs> it's not like it's done. Yeah. I'm sure they still have plenty of work to do, but I think the dominoes are already in place for them to release that this fall. It could also be a situation where. Sometimes if you delay a game too much, the game gets outdated, right? So they probably want to hit certain marketing beats and and certain trends that are going on and whatnot with the with this new game. But 
for whatever the next one, they're probably earlier in development for that one where it actually makes sense to go like, hey, let's take some extra time. Maybe, you know, let's oh, let's extend our, our pre-production longer and um and, and actually make this something special or whatever. Like, because I, 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 go ahead. I like the timing. I think the timing is a little sus where it's like you're going to get bought out next summer in 2023. So it's like... Oh, uh, optics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I, I wonder if that has any effect or any influence on this or not. But uh, let's hit the next uh, the next extra news stories here. Number two, Square Enix is considering other classic games from its 16-bit catalog to create HD 2D remakes for. It said. Yeah. Number three, according to prominent leaker and industry insider Emily Rogers, Nintendo might be planning to launch or at least announce uh, Intelligent Systems' next Fire Emblem entry in 2022. Mm-hmm. Number four, in a welcomed change of narrative, the developers of Horizon Forbidden West chose to delay the game's release in part to avoid its employees having to crunch. Number five, nice. Lego is partnering with 2K for a new line of Lego sports games. Number six, Pokemon games dominate the 3DS digital charts after eShop shutdown announcement. <laughs> Number seven, of course. a new supermassive games trademark titled The Quarry has been discovered, which indicates that the studio isn't exclusively working on its Dark Pictures anthology. Number eight, the Min Min Smash Amiibo is releasing on April 29th, and Steve and Alex Amiibo has been delayed to later this year those bastards number nine bethesda has announced plans to close its pc games launcher and move its titles to steam number 10 what many have previously assumed has now been confirmed next level games is working on the newly announced mario strikers battle league football i know that this was obvious for us lewis but they had not officially said it yet their logo was not in the trailer um interesting i I like how i I think that's really weird how that was never officially confirmed at the time of announcement but yeah interesting number 11 after countless rumors the near automata anime has now been officially confirmed and for a roundup developer mediatonic confirmed that fall guys is still in development for xbox and switch and detective pikachu 2 is still in development according to a recruitment post from the developer creatures inc lewis any thoughts um not really. I think most of these things sort of speak for themselves. I just think that it's hilarious that Pokemon games are like quick to like jump up in the digital charts with, <laughs> after the eShop setting down. It's like, first off, I mean, I guess, sure, why not? I mean, I think Pokemon games are more valuable when they're physical, to tell you the truth. But it's not like Pokemon games are rare. Like They're, they're like the highest selling games in the console. So it's like, I don't know, whoever didn't buy Pokemon already is really weird. I mean, unless you're trying to buy like the other version that you didn't buy. So like if you bought Sun and you now you got to go buy Moon before it's too late, you know. I do want to share so. a mess up that I just made re- that is kind of related to the Wii U and 3DS eShop closures. I-, I decided to go and try to complete my Wii U game collection with all the games that I kind of care to have, right? Um, mm-hmm. I was already pretty close. So I was looking for Xenoblade Chronicles X and... I realized that, you know, it's still going for like $50, $60 and, and people are auctioning it and stuff like starting at those values on eBay. Um, and for whatever reason, I just kind of looked on Amazon, which I, why would I? Uh, and I surprisingly found that Amazon was selling a new copy of Xenoblade Chronicles X for $60. Xenoblade Chronicles Holy X crap. on the Wii U, of course. So I just immediately bought it. I was like, cool. I can't believe they're still selling new copies of this game. Uh, and I got it today. And I just open it from the package and it is in fact, you know, a new legit, legit copy of the game and shrink wrap and everything. However, there's one detail about this list. What? I didn't check the region. This oh, is fuck. a Saudi Arabia, Malaysia and Singapore version. God. <laughs> I've seen a play Damn. Chronicles X. 
You better return that hoe to Amazon. I know. <laughs> I hope you didn't break the seal. Yeah, uh, no, I did not. It says plays on okay. Wii U systems sold for Singapore, Malaysia, UAE, and Saudi Arabia. So yeah, watch for region to... fucking region codes out there. <laughs> region locks. Yeah, I'm... that's a thing of the past these days. Um. But yeah, no, I actually tried to uh, eBay uh, a Wii U, and I wanted to find one for like a hundred bucks, and I couldn't find one. Uh, there, there are Wii U's for eighty dollars, but it doesn't come with the gamepad. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go for that. Yeah, you might so. want to check um, like things like Facebook Marketplace and OfferUp. Sometimes I find good deals on those. I, I actually just bought two. I bought Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon for fifteen dollars each out of uh offer up so and and they're nice like in the box with all the manuals and stuff so um in pretty good state so yeah tip out there um try to find alternatives to ebay if you're having a hard time finding the game you you want um nice some of them are just really difficult (laughs) some some (laughs) games are just you won't find cheap no matter what uh the only thing i wanted to react here really is that uh next fire emblem yes i want that you know there was a bait and switch at that nintendo direct uh, but I, I think that with Fire Emblem Warriors, uh, but I think it makes total sense that Intelligent System, you know, their last game came out in 2019, I think, was uh, Three Houses. Um, so it's about time uh, for them to show us whatever they're working on next. I mean, they, they were pumping out these Fire Emblem games left and right on the 3DS, so they better have something cool to show, uh, you know, this year or next. Obviously, I'm being, you know, jo- I'm kind of joking here, not trying to be super aggressive. Um, I like how Fire, uh, Fire Emblem Warriors and Fire Emblem Three Houses came out within like a year of each other, and now the new Fire Emblem Warriors and presumably the new Fire Emblem yes. Mainline is going to come out again within presumably another year of each other. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> also, there's so. this thing with the Switch where it's like the Switch finally hit the point where it's like it's repeating a cycle now because we got oh yeah Breath of the Wild <laughs> two to come out and Splatoon three and and um holy shit what else there's more yeah, like yeah. the mario kart update right like it's not a new mario yeah. kart but you know a major update to it like everything that's old is new again and of course there must be a new mario game in the horizon that we're gonna learn about soon right yeah I, of course of course all right lewis uh i'm gonna give the show over to you to uh to do our next few segments all right it's out this week uh, this is going to be the segment where we talk about everything that's out this week. Uh, I'm going to go, of course, start things off with uh, uh, the Epic Games free uh, free games of the week. Uh, so I don't get a cool week here this week. But we got Chris <laughs> Tales uh, out this week for free, so you can claim it. It's a Chris Tales is a gorgeous indie love letter to classic JRPGs with a new perspective. Peer into the past, act in the present, and watch as your choices dynamically change the future. All on one screen as you play. Beautifully hand-drawn 2D animations bring a uh, bring to life a world where choices will change both the present and the future across more than 20 hours of gameplay. You know, it's cool. The hand-drawn art style looks pretty cool, actually. It's kind of... I'm not going to say... It, it seems interesting, like, but not, not my cup of tea. So uh, I'll claim it anyways. There you go. <laughs> Next up. Uh, is the allegedly we're gonna have uh, Dauntless uh, free uh, next uh, next week. Next up we have the uh, the Nintendo launches the My Nintendo Store. I've not heard. Why the hell have I not heard of this? If you head to Nintendo.com starting today in the U.S. and Canada, you might ch- notice a new tab at the top. This is the My Nintendo Store, a new online shopping destination where you can shop uh, for all of your favorite physical and digital games, hardware, merchandise, exclusive products, and more. 
Question, why isn't this already a thing? <laughs> I don't know, but it uh, is now. And I'm surprised that it didn't come uh, come across uh, your radar. So yeah, basically now there is a, like an official shop for Nintendo hardware, uh, for you know Nintendo games and, and all sorts of things. Uh, I think kind of similar to something Sony started doing uh, as, a, as a way to sell the, the PS5 a few years ago. Um, and yeah, there's some cool like uh, Club Nintendo type shit in there that, uh, that you can get uh, if you pay for it. And I think you can also use your My Nintendo points to uh, redeem stuff, too. Uh, so it's kind of like Club Nintendo all over again, to be honest. Yeah, I just, uh, I like, you could buy, like, hardware directly from them and stuff like that, which is interesting. Like, you know, you can buy, like, Xboxes through directly through, like, Xbox and, yes. you know, Playstations, yes, yes, yes. you know. I'm just surprised that this wasn't already a option prior to today. I know. You know? That's just my, my surprise. My, like, you just color me surprised. Uh, so I like how, like, all of their hardware physical stuff has always been through their retail partners and never through them. But it is what it is. Uh, next up is the... Uh, anime streaming service crunchyroll is now available on switch now I, c- I gotta go back and check the tapes here but i'm pretty sure i made a prediction on our prediction special that a streaming service will come to the switch and i don't know which one but it will be something wasn't that your prediction for last year did you really redo the prediction this year because i don't think you did oh my god did i <laughs> oh my god i would have totally got a point <laughs> Fuck. too late i hope i did i <laughs> I hope I redid the prediction. I really do. I don't know if I did or if I redid it, but you know, mm-hmm. I I kind of I kind of did some sour predictions this year. So also, do you want to know Whatever. something uh, interesting? Crunchyroll is owned What's up? is owned by Sony now because they got. Uh, <laughs> isn't that interesting? Because they got purchased. That is true. Um. Yeah. It really shows how these different. Uh, you know. These different arms of these companies really do kind of manage things independently from each other. Yeah. Okay. Um, next up, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is free to try this weekend from Thursday, February 24th to Monday, February 28th. A free trial is also available for Final Fantasy XIV right now. Interesting. No Man's Sky's latest updates named Sentinel brought a whole raft of new features, but a short clip posted by Hello Games under uh, by fellow Hello Games founder Sean Murray today announced that the update also brings full support for the Steam Deck to the game. Interesting. Um, Next up is the PS Plus. Uh, wait, is it PS Plus or PS Now? It's Ooh, PS wait. Plus. Ooh. Okay, cool. So PS Plus games have been announced this uh, uh, for, for, for March. So we got uh, Ghost Runner for PS5, uh, Arc, Arc Survival Evolved for PS4, uh, Team Sonic Racing for PS4, and uh, Ghost of Tsushima Legends for PS4 and PS5. Why are they giving away four games this week? This, uh, this well, month? I think Ghost of Tsushima Legends is kind of like an extra because they even put a, like a bonus thing in it in the image because that's not a game. It's more like a, isn't it like a like a multiplayer uh, expansion or something? I don't remember. Um, apparently, it's a, it's a it's a mode within Ghost of Tsushima. Right. So it's a standalone. So uh, they are also making it standalone. So eh, whatever. So basically, it's kind of like here's a bone, but I guess the, the three main games plus a a side thing. So cool. I am kind of. Uh, I heard a lot of good things about Team Sonic Racing. So I actually kind of was digging that game the most out of all four of these. What about you? Um. Yeah, this uh this month doesn't really do much for me honestly <laughs> so damn nothing to yeah. add there 
I I got uh, I got a like like a, a Sonic racing game for the Wii U. I forgot what it's called, like Sega Sega uh, Sonic. I, I, and I've Sega played, All-Stars. yeah, I've played that game before. Yeah. I think I might have played it at like one of the events that I go to sometimes, like an E three or something, because it was a booth that didn't have a line, um, <laughs> or just didn't have as much <laughs> of a line. Um, and it was it was fine. It was competent, you know. Um, but I. I just have no really like no strong interest in Sonic as a brand, so there's not much to uh to bring me to it. Fair enough. Okay, so I'm surprised Games with Gold didn't get announced already, but we'll probably cover that next week or or the week after. As far as the actual new releases from the 25th to the March 3rd, we got Majora's Mask is dropping on Nintendo Switch Online today on the 25th. Uh, there's also Adelier, Sophie 2, The Alchemist of the Mysterious Dream. That is a mouthful. <laughs> PS4, Switch, and PC on the 25th. Also on the 25th, uh, to, you know, day of release, we have Elden Ring. PS5, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, rise, tarnished, and be guided by grace to branded to brandish the power of the Elden Ring and become the Elden Lord in the lands between. A vast world where open fields with a variety of situations and huge dungeons with complex and three-dimensional designs are seamlessly connected as you explore the joy of discovering unknown and overwhelming threats await you, leading to a high sense of accomplishment. In addition to customizing the appearance of your character, you can freely combine the weapons, armor, and magic that you equip. You can develop your character according to your playstyle, such as increasing your muscle strength to become a strong warrior or mastering magic. A multi-layered story told in fragments, an epic drama in which various thoughts of the characters intersect in the lands between. In addition to multiplayer, where you can directly connect with other players and travel together, the game supports a unique asynchronous online element that allows you to feel the presence of others and the oscar goes <laughs> to lewis <laughs> good good read there lewis uh you know this game came out it's getting great reviews uh we have a topic that we're going to try to hit on for the next episode about that too um but i have to say like i feel like the more i read about it the less i want to play it um personally even though it's getting excellent reviews because it comes across like this is one of those games that appeals to a a certain type of gamer that I'm not. Yep. It's like, hey, do you enjoy, you know, struggling a lot while you play the game? <laughs> you know, like, like you know, losing at this boss fight over and over again so that you actually need to, you know, sort of give up on it or put it on hold and go do something else in the world so that you get stronger and then you can come back later and beat it. I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, like, do you like the idea of the game that gives you no direction and you have to, I think Jason Schreier had a tweet that went fire about this where you're like, he said, I recommend you keep like a notebook where you, you know, you write notes of your quests and stuff because there's no quest log in the game. Yeah. It's like, oh, God damn, I hate this. <laughs> I don't want anything <laughs> to do with this. I'm a lot more likely to want to play Forbidden West instead, which if it's if it's the same as Zero Dawn, you know, you're actually, you know, guided and you got like super organized menus with like all your different, you know, tabs of like errands and side quests and main quests and et cetera, like don't that's how that's how i like to play you know give me an organized streamlined experience that that i can understand i don't want to be i don't want playing the game to be a puzzle in my head so um i don't know it's my understanding that this is the most dark soulsy game it's basically if dark souls went open world yeah that's basically my understanding of the situation yeah definitely 
The best Dark Souls to ever Dark Souls. <laughs> um, next up, we have Grid Legends on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC, also on the 25th. Uh, next up is March 1st, we have Alex 2, uh, PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, PC. Uh, there's Far Changing Tides, PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, and Puzzle Quest 3. P PC, iOS, Android, uh, Shadow Warrior 3, PS4, Xbox One, PC, all these games were all March 1st. But what makes Shadow Warriors 3 is interesting is that it's going to be a PS Now game uh, at launch. It's basically like PlayStation's Game Pass that is highly underrated. And so if you're a PS Now subscriber, you get Shadow Warrior 3 day one. So... That is interesting. Um, Shadow Warrior 3 launches the offbeat first-person shooter series to the next level with a seamless, seamless blend of fast-paced gameplay, razor-sharp melee combat, and a spectacular free-running movement system. Okay, cool. Next up is Babylon's Fall, PS5, PS4, PC on March 3rd. Babylon's Fall is the latest title from Nier Automata and Bayonetta developers Platinum Games. Join a group of warriors bonded with special equipment called Gideon Coffins in an odyssey to overcome the titanic Tower of Babylon. Now, if my understanding isn't this like a, um, what do you call it, a games as a service game? I don't really remember. I'd always saw this game in a few different events uh, over the course of last year. Uh, I think I, this game, if I remember correctly, it was all over the Game Awards, but not as a like premiere and more so as just one of those ads that they have peppered in. You yeah. Know? Um, I, I, I have no, like, there's been nothing about this game that's really necessarily piqued my interest or, or impressed me, but it is a platinum games joint, right? So, so I figured it with this, it deserved a, a highlight there. I guess Elden Ring is by default the, the pick of the week. Yes. Despite the fact that both Lewis and I are probably <laughs> not going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to put it on my collection. I don't own a single Dark Souls game in my collection. I don't even own Bloodborne. Can no, I take that back. I do own Bloodborne because it was given to us as a PS Plus game. You know, so, maybe pick yeah. of the week is Majora's Mask on uh, Switch Online. Or <laughs> or pick of the week is continue playing Forbidden West. <laughs> there you go. Unless you're an Elden Ring fan and stuff. So go ahead and enjoy it. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, look, NSO got another patch. Uh, Ocarina of Time on NSO has better water in the Water Temple. Nice. So. <laughs> Ocarina of Time. Pick of the week. <laughs> All right. Next up is going to be our Ready Press Plays video game list of all time. So, Dan, I had a lot of different games that I had come up on my idea. Like, I had a plethora of choices, right? You know, all-time goats to, to go to. So, because last week you did an indie game, I'm going to also pick an indie game here. And what better indie game to pick than what's possibly, like, the best indie game to ever indie game? Hmm. And that is Celeste. Nice. <laughs> I was here, I was going through it in my head. I'm like, mm, is he going Journey or perhaps like... Is he, Journey, is he Journey pull was up, almost there. Yeah, Minecraft or, you know, there's a few things he could have gone for. Well, you're not a Minecraft guy yourself, right? But, right. you know, Braid, I, I don't know. But I I love the idea of bringing Celeste into the list. I, I think Celeste is, you know, we're talking about Super Meat Boy last week and kind of what it sort of started. And I feel like Celeste is almost kind of this interesting realization of um like that same idea and concept but eight years later uh it almost like like it almost ends the book that super meat yeah. boy started in a way you know what i mean um in fact i bet those uh guys and gals were 
inspired by <laughs> you know Super Meat Boy. They must have been right with uh, so many things that they did with that game, and it's it's so special. I I'm I'm taking the time away from you here, but um, no, like I think that Celeste is basically like uh like basically a game of the year contender on the year it came out. Just came out in a bad year where there's so much competition, but like like there it's basically like a ten out of ten masterpiece. Like you have everything firing on all c- cylinders. Gameplay top notch. Music god tier. Right. Um the the story amazing. Like platformers aren't known for their stories, but this platformer took on a sensitive topic about mental health and did it justice. Like yes. it is a therapeutic yes. game to play uh from like a story perspective and just like how the the story and the gameplay just go they marry each other hand in hand and like you know pixel art uh is like a full it's like it's at full blast. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, chip tunes, you know, never had the best representation like ever. Like, just everything about this game has just like cranked up to eleven, and it delivers. And like the game is uh, just beating the game is like uh, an achieve. You feel like you achieve something when you beat the game. And then on top of that, even after you beat the game, there's more game to play because there's extra content that like they like these B sides. And then yes. I think they even added C sides later on. Like uh, like after I already put the game, they got patched with more shit. For sure, it's like. The game is like a very good collaborative thing because like whenever you you start off like the B-sides and stuff like that, they actually give credit to like the artists that they allowed them to compose the level, the the music for that level. And it's like these cool remix tracks was just like so earwormy. Like, yeah, like I love this game and um, it definitely is one of the goats for yeah. sure. I- Punches... Punches above its weight class for sure. I would say that other than um, maybe Journey that did win Game of the Years that year, I feel like this is the game that got the closest to you know sweeping Game of the Year awards um, in the in the year that it came out. And it came out in such a competitive year too. You know, it, it came out when we had God of War and uh, Red Dead Redemption Two and Smash Ultimate and Spider Man and like all these other things, uh, and yet it was still very much in that conversation. And I feel like uh, it had a shot, you know, like it had a legit shot um, amongst people that were fans of of uh, indie games that were not so uh, pigeonholed in the whole like AAA space. And and what's crazy is not only did it come out in 2018 with you know God of War 2018 and Red Dead and all that stuff, but it came out in January of 2018 and it remained re- it maintained its relevance. That's a, such a good point. I didn't even think about about it that way. Yeah, dude, this game is great. The subject matter uh, is great. The way that it handles it, the way that it tells its story, the gameplay is superb. You know, uh, I think we've talked about it in this podcast before. How like gameplay is king, right? And and this game just gets gameplay right a hundred percent. It's just so fun to play, so replayable. Uh, it is difficult, but I feel like it's not frustrating and it's not unfair, right? It's always like you always kind of feel like if you mess up, it's your fault and you can do better, right? And there's and it, the way that that's kind of and it doesn't punish you. Yes, exactly. It's not overly punishing either. And the way that that kind of matches the story too, I feel like this is one of those games where it's like it's really meant to be played in that way. And yet they also have a lot of accessibility settings too. So like they kind of did the best of both worlds. Where I remember. Um, you know, the creators of the game were very big about like, hey, like we intended this game to be difficult. It's part of the story, right? Like you're supposed to overcome these challenges. Uh, but then meanwhile, they were also they also wanted to make it accessible to, you know, people with disabilities and stuff. So they also had an array of different accessibility options that you could use uh, to kind of suit the game to your own playstyle. Um, so, yeah, man, shout out. Great addition to the list. I, uh, you know, I, I second it. Hmm. So that leaves the last bit is placing. Now, 
we can either go with the Game Awards and put it under God of War because God of War beat out Celeste. Mm -hmm. Or we can put it at number three and beat out Mario Galaxy. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting way to look at it. And you know, Louis, because of my own taste in games and because I am such a fan of this game, I am tempted to to buy your idea to put it at number three. Ah. And that's especially because this game is just so accessible. You know, I feel like I feel like this game beat Super Meat Boy in the narrative department, right? Like I feel like yeah. Super Meat Boy did it first, but this game did everything it did and then out plus, you know, this uh this narrative on top of it that has emotional impact. So right. it be- it beats it there. The thing with God of War is that I feel like God God of War is a uh, God of War is an excellent game. Um but I feel like I like Celeste better. I feel like I like I would be more willing to go back to and replace Celeste than I would God of War. Isn't that crazy? Like No, I Celeste is more pick up and play yes. than God of War is. And yeah. and it's just such an easily accessible game today too. Like anybody that has a Switch, you know, you can just kinda install Celeste in it and give it to them and they'll know what to do, right? Like the the the, the timing from like beginning to action is just so quick and Yes. All right. Whatever. I, I see you're already putting it on the list there. We're doing it. This is our podcast. We make the rules. This is not the Game Awards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like between, you know, like I, I played a little bit of Galaxy. So like between Celeste and, and Galaxy, I would rather go to Celeste. Uh, I was just thinking about myself, like, are we going to like go with like, I'll put it under God of War just because of, you know, following suit with the Game Awards or are we going to just push it, push it higher up the chain? We're doing know? our own thing here. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there we go. So do you want to go through the list? Yeah, uh, Ocarina of Time at number one, uh, Street Fighter Two at number two, Celeste at number three, Mario Galaxy at four, God of War twenty eighteen at number five, and Super Meat Boy at number six. It's a good list. All right, that's a good list. We'll keep building it week after week. All right, here we go. I guess, uh, do you go or I go? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't remember how we do this. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I'll take care. I'll take care of this. Uh, we are going to end the show here. But before we end, we always do. We always leave you guys with a recommendation uh, about what to watch, what to play. And uh, my recommendation for the week, you know what? I got to think about it because I didn't come up with one. Dan, you go first. <laughs> sure thing. Well, we just learned that uh, Crunchyroll has uh, been dropped on the Switch. Uh, so I wanted to give a shout out to an anime that's available on Crunchyroll. You've probably heard of this because this anime is like the new big sensation right now. It's the big popular shonen that everybody's watching and that is Demon Slayer. Uh, the first season came out, uh, I want to say like a year or two ago. Um, and I watched that and it was great. Uh, then they released the, yeah, that was like two years ago. And then they released the Mugen Train arc movie uh in the movie theaters and i watched that and it was also great and now they had a new season that was coming out week uh weekly um over the last few months and i actually think they just got done releasing it i think they just wrapped up uh season two um so i'm watching through season two right now uh having a good time with it uh i don't know it's too early to say but i feel like it's not as strong as season one so far but still i feel like the show is going to go places and I think it's popular for a reason, so definitely go and check it out when you have a chance. 
Of course, I watched the the first episode on on Netflix back in the day, and it was really good. So I am very much uh, looking forward to getting around to tackling that binge when I get around to it. But I was been I was binging something on Crunchyroll, and I realized I just remembered what it was. So my recommendation is gonna be Attack on Titan, and uh, the the final season part two is airing right now every every week on Sundays. And with Crunchyroll specifically, if you're a premium member, you get to watch it like right when it airs immediately right when it airs on uh in japan so it's like perfectly worldwide release and all that stuff so uh i definitely recommend attack on titan it's so crazy uh it's crazy amazing it's like so many plot twists so many twists and turns and like it's like uh it's definitely uh i I didn't know this but i didn't apparently it's been going on for like i don't know like eight weeks now and i just found out like last week that that uh that i was missing out on the finale and i'm like holy shit so i got to binge watch like all eight episodes at once and now i'm like stuck with everyone else waiting week to week as the <laughs> as we get to the series finale uh but it's already been teased like the ending has already been teased within the characters like one of the characters knows at the ending and i'm like god damn and i'm like there's a meme <laughs> where it's like this character didn't uh saw the ending of the show be like this character don't spoil it you know? so, because there's manga readers that already know the ending yeah that so. that makes me, fa- me think of the doctor strange in uh infinity war where he you know oh, he yeah, sees doctor all the strange saw the ending <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah cool stuff cool stuff um i definitely so, gotta catch up on that i watched uh season one and two forever ago but i i'm behind on this uh on this new season so that's definitely homework for me right there you might want to just watch season one all over again because it's better to i think that's for me true. i think that show is probably a better to watch all in one go like the entire series mm-hmm. so well, it is time to end, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready, Press, Play. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a nice review, and tell your friends about the show. You can find the podcast at Ready, Press, Play on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at PowerUpDanAndLewis. At Chocolaka88. See you next time. Bye-bye. Peace.